0: leviticus chapter 23 today we're going to talk about the feast of tabernacles or some call it the feast of booths uh some call it the feast of harvest some call it the feast of sukkot but all of it is the same and this isn't going to be a full in-depth study on it, but I'm just going to bring a few points across um, as we celebrate this feast, which I believe it starts Monday at sundown, and then it goes for a week, and then there's an eighth day after that, and the first day and the eighth day are Sabbaths. Um, And if you possibly can take off of work, it's great if we can. Um, Nonetheless, Leviticus 23, and starting in verse 34, it says, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, In the fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be a feast of Booth's seven days to Yahweh. Um, One of the things we'll talk about in future studies is about the new moon and how the new moon guided Israel and it was for times and seasons and how they could discern when say a feast was coming basically they i believe it was um a priest would go up to the mountain and he would keep an eye on the sky and when he saw the new moon or like a sliver of the moon he would pronounce it on his ram's horn and it would signify to all of Israel that a new month was starting and so on and so forth. And so when you understand of the about the importance of new moons, you can then figure out, even if we don't have, you know, the, the pagan calendar that most of us have to go by, You can figure out when the feast days are, and it says here that in the 15th day of the seventh month, so we know that the first month is not January, obviously. The first month is March, April, and then, because the scripture says so, and then You count seven months from there, it's September, October, and the new moon started September 6th, and so the next day was to be the Feast of Trumpets, and then you count 15 days from the new moon, which this year, 2021, was September 6th. And then 15 days would give you the approximate day of this feast. Okay, second thing, it says that it's a seven days long. And it's a a feast to Yahweh. Okay, then it says in verse 35: on the first day shall be a holy gathering. So the very first day is a Sabbath. And it says, you shall do no laborious work. Then it says, seven days you shall bring an offering, a fire offering to Yahweh. On the eighth day, you shall have a holy gathering and you shall bring the fire offering to Yahweh. And it is a solemn assembly. Uh, let's see, where was I? It's a solemn assembly and you shall do no laborious work. And and that's on the first day. Then verse 36 says, Seven days you shall bring a fire offering to Yahweh. On the eighth day you shall have a holy gathering and you shall bring the fire offering to Yahweh. It is a solemn assembly and you shall do no laborious work of service. And then it says, verse 37, These are the feasts of Yahweh. They are not not the feasts of the Jews, but they are the set feasts of Yahweh. And so, these are set in stone, if you would. Um, We can't change the times or the dates um, just because we think so. we got to go by the, un, our understanding of when the new moon is. Our understanding of, you know, the 15th day, so on and so forth. Alright, drop down to verse 39. And it says also, in the 15th day of the 7th month. So we're talking about the Feast of Sukkot or the Feast of Booths. Um, Also, in the 15th day of the seventh month, when you gather the increase of the land, and this is why some books, some uh, translations calls it a Feast of Harvest. So it says, You shall gather the increase of the land... You shall keep the feast of Yahweh, again, emphasize Yah's feast, seven days, and on the first day a holy day, Sabbath, and on the eighth day a holy day, Sabbath. And you shall take to yourselves on the first day the fruit of majestic trees, palm branches, bows of thick oak trees, and willows of the valley, and shall rejoice before Yahweh your Elohim seven days. And you shall celebrate it as a feast to Yah, seven days in a year, a never-ending statute throughout your generations in the seventh month, you shall keep it. You shall sit in sukkahs for seven days. All who are native in Israel shall sit down in sukkahs so that your generation shall know that I caused the sons of Israel to live in sukkahs or booths which i brought them when i brought them out of the land of egypt i am yahweh your elohim and moses declared the appointed face of yah to the seven sons of israel all right i mean you can read there's exodus 23:16 and Exodus thirty-four twenty-two, but Leviticus twenty-three, get, verses thirty-four through forty-three gives a real clear um, description of what the feast of Tabernacles, or booths, or harvest, or Sukkot is about. So we see here. That the Feast of Sukkot is a joyous harvest festival celebrating the completion of an agricultural year. So even today, the fall season is when farmers and people that grow crops It's a season of harvest. It's technically eight days, not seven, right? Eight eight, days. And Sukkot is a festival celebrating the completion of the agriculture year. It's harvest time. So, it also means that it's a time... to gather in all the harvest. Now, when you apply that to our day and age, thankfully we don't have to wait once a year to harvest in the seeds we have sown, but there is a normal <laughs> seed time and harvest process that when we sow the seed of Yahweh's word into a person's life that at some point in time there will be a harvest of that seed. Now, it doesn't automatically come you know like say like a natural seed you know whatever the 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 growth period is you know say it's three months then you can harvest it with spiritual seed it could be three decades could be three centuries or it could be three days or three minutes or three seconds but nonetheless This feast, at least in part, is about reminding us of the seeds that we have sown. And first is the seed of Yahweh's laws and commandments or his promises that he has given us and that we have stood on. For salvation, healing, deliverance, protection, restoration for ourselves or for others. Secondly, it's also about the personal seeds you have sown in faith for a specific harvest. Now, turn to Mark chapter four the God I believe it's the Gospel of Mark chapter four and maybe you can help me find the verse because it's about when Yahshua said, if you don't understand this principle, how will you understand all the other principles in the scriptures? Um, Oh, it's verse 13. And he said to them, do you not know this parable? And how will you know all parables? Okay, verse 13. He said to them, do you not know this parable? And this was the parable of the sower. And then he said, you could say it like this, if you don't know this parable of the sower, how are you going to know all other parables? And then he goes into describing the the parable that the sower sows the word, which is the Torah which is Yah's laws and commandments. Well, the same thing is true concerning all the other seeds that you may plant um, into the kingdom. Remember Mark Mark 10, 29 and 30, Okay, that that whole chapter was talking about a rich young ruler came to Yahshua and said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? I think it's Mark ten seventeen. And then the rich young or Yahshua said to the rich young ruler, If you want life, keep the Torah, keep the commandments. And then the rich young ruler said, and then he begins to describe the commandments he has kept, and he pretty much lists them all. And then Yahshua said to him, there is one thing you lack, go and sell what you have and come and follow me. And the scripture says that he went away sorrowful. He did not obey that commandment that Yahshua was giving him. So then the disciple said, well, how can we be saved then? And he began to describe that when wealth has hold of an individual, it is hard for them to receive the things in the kingdom. Now, then Peter said, well, what hope is it for us? Because obviously they had some level of means, and that's when Yahshua said, in verse 29 and 30, that everything you give for the kingdom's sake shall come back to you in this lifetime with persecutions. And he begins to describe if you give lands, if you give houses, if you give children, if you give, you could add monetary things, financial things. And Yahshua said, you would reap a hundredfold in this lifetime. So it goes back to sowing seeds And reaping a harvest of those seeds. And that is part of what the feast of Sukkot is all about. It's not, it's about celebrating the harvest back in the day of their agricultural system. Well, most of us don't live in an agricultural Mm -hmm. system, but we still sow seeds. And we need to keep our minds reminded that we have sown seeds, maybe seeds of friendship, seeds of prayer, seeds of the word, seeds of believing for the lost to be saved, the Torah to be restored to our nation. But we have also sowed financial seeds into ministries and into other people's lives. And Yahshua said that you would receive 100-fold in this lifetime. And it also says, if you study this, that your giving here on earth has much to do with your afterlife. Mm-hmm. So, when you are faithful to be obedient to Yah's commands of giving and of giving tithing, however you want to call it, it has much to do with not only your harvest on earth, but your harvest after your time Is on earth. So Sukkot is a harvest festival celebrating the completion of the agricultural year. So it's a celebration, and it's time for you and I to begin to believe and expect a harvest of the things that we have sown this past year and previous years because some of the things that we have sown may not be harvest time yet. Harvest time could be in six months or six years. But we need to be reminded to keep believing for a harvest. Sukkot also means to remember that Israel had to leave their homes in Egypt and leave pagan Egypt and live for 40 years in the wilderness living in booths or sukkahs For forty years, not knowing where their next meal or drink of water was coming from. And it is a, a festival for us to come. A, let's see com- commemorate commemorate Israel's deliverance. It is also a time for you to commemorate and to worship YAH for your deliverance from a life of sin, from hopelessness, from oppression, and from this pagan world system. So that is... In part, part of why we are to celebrate the Feast of Sukkot. And there's another element. They were to celebrate the Feast of Sukkot to remind themselves of the deliverance, the protection the provision, and the daily care that Yahweh did for them 40 years in the wilderness. Maybe that's why Peter said to cast all your cares upon Yahweh for he cares for you. It is also a time for you and I to remember our deliverance, like I said, from Egypt and how Yahweh has protected us, provided for us, and cared for us this past year mm-hmm. oh, yeah. in ways that we may not even realize. Yahweh was protecting, caring, and immediately for me, I think of a year ago, when Linda and I both had COVID, mine wasn't as bad as hers, but that could have been Satan's plan to take her out, which would have affected my life greatly. And we may have other things where we are protected by Yah, maybe from a car accident or maybe from losing a job or ways he provided for us that we may not have realized it was his hand Mm -hmm. at work in our lives. When I first moved to Florida... And I was working where I'm working now after about eight months or so. um, I made a mistake on a job and um, I was putting a lock on a slider and I nicked the edge of the glass and the slider broke. Well, my boss back then was, he didn't have patience for nobody. He was firing people left and right for the littlest thing. He would have them move here. And if they did anything he did not like, he'd fire them. He wouldn't care how about anything. He, he just would fire them. He was, he was firing people left and right. And I did not realize this until a few years later when... A person that was in management in our company said that he wanted to fire me because of that situation. And I knew at the time that I was on thin ice and I knew how my boss was. And I even told Linda we may be going back up north because I wouldn't doubt if I get fired because there was no room for error. In his line of thinking. And that. Person in management. Who is not a believer. Talked him out of it. And he told me this. Sometime later. And you don't. I'm only sharing this. Because. There might be things. That the enemy is planning. But Yahweh has. A way of. Intervening. intervening through whomever through whomever and me and this guy that intervened for me we almost got into blows a couple of times because he was wicked to the bone and so the feast of Sukkot is also for you and I to remember, and to give Him praise and worship for all the protection, provision, and care He has done for our life, whether we realize it or not. Mm -hmm. Now, the children of Israel, and just picture this, lived, and think about the level of faith it would take to live this way for 40 years in the in the wilderness. Where they didn't know where their meal was coming from. Okay, now there's a couple other things that... Let's turn to 1 Kings. So, in reflecting, in reminding ourselves that the Feast of Sukkot is a harvest festival celebrating, page 461, is a harvest festival celebrating the end of an agricultural year. Okay, it is also A time for you to reflect on the seeds that you have been sowing and to stand on Yah's word concerning the seeds you have sowed and to believe for your harvest. And thirdly, it is a time of reflection of how Yah delivered Israel out of Egyptian sun-god worship and many gods worship and delivered them. And fourthly, it's about reflecting on how Yahweh protected, provided, and cared for the children of Israel those 40 years as well as for yourself How he has provided for you, protected you, and how his hand has been upon you. All right. Now here's some interesting things concerning the feast of Sukkot. 1 Kings eight two, and it says all the men of Israel were gathered to King Solomon in. The month, I can't even pronounce it, at the feast, which is the seventh month. So we know that's the feast of Tabernacles. And it was during this feast, if you read the rest of this, that Solomon... Dedicated the temple. So that took place during the feast of Sukkot. So that's kind of an interesting fact. Now here's one other one. Go to John chapter 7. You know, it's important when we read the scriptures to understand the background, to understand the context, and we're going to see that in John chapter 7 and in at least part of John chapter 8, Yahshua was speaking some of these profound things while he was participating in the Feast of Sukkot. So in verse 1 it says, After these things, Yahshua was walking in Galilee, for he did not desire to walk in Judea because the Jews were lusting to kill him. And the feast of Sukkot in Judea was near. Then his brother said to him, Move away from here and go to Judea, that your disciples will also see your works which you do there. So you can read all of this. And now let's drop down the verse... 37, now remember, he's at the feast of Sukkot, it says, now on the high day, which is the last of the feast, meaning the last day, Yahshua was standing, and he cried out and said, if a man thirsts. Let him come to me and drink. Then notice it says anyone who believes in me as the scriptures have said. So he's referring to the Torah. And it says that there will be rivers of living water that will flow from his belly but he said this concerning the spirit whom the ones believing into him were about to receive. Now, in verse 37, it said that Yahshua, on the last day of the feast, he cried out and said, If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Then he says, Anyone who believes in me, as the scripture has said. In John 8, in verse 1, it says, But Yahshua went to the Mount of Olives, and at dawn, so he's still at the feast, He he again arrived into the sanctuary and all the people came to him sitting down and he taught them. And that's when they bring him, the woman caught in the act of adultery. Um, Then in verse 12, it says, Then Yahshua again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. The one following me in no way will walk in darkness but will have the light of life. So, here's a couple interesting things. Yahshua, during this feast, said that if any man thirsts, let him come to me. And then he says, anyone who believes in me, as the scriptures have said. Then he continually keeps talking, and he goes in, and he begins to minister to the woman caught in the act of adultery. And he said to her, to go and sin no more. And we know that sin is breaking of Yah's laws and commandments. According to 1 John. And then, he said, I am the light of the world. And then if you keep reading this, I don't know if all of this took place at the same time and it was just a continual flow of him teaching. But when you look in John 8.31, it says, Then Yahshua said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, or Torah, You are truly my disciple. And you will know the Torah, and the Torah will set you free. And verse 36 says, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. The thing I said I don't know about is, did this take place at the feast? At the end of the feast, as I've read this, I did not see any indication, unless I missed it, where it said, you know, another day came, or he moved on, or so on and so forth. So, If this is accurate in my thinking, then this whole chapter, he is still ministering and teaching at the feast of Sukkot. So to me, that's interesting. To me, that just really gives me understanding of the background in which he was ministering. Now, back in John 7, verse 38, when he said, Anyone who believes in me as the scriptures have said now was he referring to himself as the second person of a quote-unquote Trinity or was he meaning He said, anyone who believes in me, or was he meaning that anyone who believes in who I really am, and John 1.1 reveals who Yahshua really is. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with Elohim. And the word was Elohim. Or, in the beginning was Yahshua. And Yahshua was with Yahweh. And Yahshua was Yahweh. And verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh, and tabernacled among us. So when he said, anyone who believes in me, he was literally saying, in my opinion, in my understanding, anyone who believes that I am... Yahweh manifested in the flesh, so to speak. That person will have rivers of living water flow from his belly. To me, that's interesting. Here are some other, some other facts that the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Sukkot is Yahshua's birthday. Mm-hmm. It is the day in which If you want to celebrate His birth, it is in this season. Also, the Feast of Tabernacles is Think about this. I'm trying to get my wording together here. Um, in Revelation 21 3, it says, Behold, the tabernacle of Yah is with men. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says that we are the temple of Yahweh's spirit. Or we are the tabernacle in which Yah dwells. Remember, it said that he no longer dwells. In houses made by brick, wood, you know, but He dwells within us. It also says in Revelation 21 verse 22, that Yahweh and the Lamb, Yahshua, are the temple. 1 Peter 2:5 First Peter 2:5 Peter said that we are a spiritual house mm-hmm. So the feast of tabernacles is also a feast where we are looking forward To something. And that is when. Yahweh comes down to the earth. And begins to build. A new heaven. And a new earth. Upon this earth. Now, remember, we are his tabernacle. Mm -hmm. We are separated from this world system. Now, let's look, as I begin to close, in Zechariah. The last chapter, I think it's 14. Oh, this Bible don't... Where they move Zechariah to? to Playing play and hide-and-go-seek. I'm cheating. It's not cheating, it's just Well just Zechariah Chapter fourteen eight thirty one, page eight thirty one. So Zechariah chapter fourteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, starting in chapter fourteen, and this is also interesting. In. Verse 1, it says, Behold, the day of Yahweh comes, and your spoil shall be divided among you. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. Verse 3, And Yahweh shall go out and fight against those nations. Who did it say? Yahweh. And his feet shall stand in that day on the Mount of Olives. Now, Yahshua said um, that, now in Acts chapter 1 verses 9 through 12, when Yahshua ascended, where did he ascend from? He ascended from the Mount of Olives. And where is Yahshua going to come back to? And yet, it says that His feet shall stand in that day on the Mount of Olives. Yahweh's feet. And again this reemphasizes to me that Yeshua is Yahweh in the flesh. Because it says that Yahweh will stand in that day and it's the same place that he he ascended into heaven and he would return All right, so that's interesting. Now, if you look in verse 16, and it shall be everyone who is left from all the nations. Now, we're back to refocusing on the feast of Sukkot. Everyone who is left from all the nations which came up against Jerusalem. shall go up from year to year to worship the King, Yahweh of hosts, and to keep what? The Feast of Sukkot. And it shall be, whoever will not not go up from the families of the earth to Jerusalem to worship the King, Yahweh of hosts, there shall even be no rain on them. And if the family of Egypt does not go up nor come down, then the rain shall not be on them, but the plague with which Yahweh shall strike the nations who do not come up to the feast of Sukkot. This shall be Egypt's offense and the offense of all nations who do not keep the feast of Sukkot. So, we see the beginning of this chapter is describing the millennial reign and the beginning of the millennial reign when Yah, Yahshua, comes to the earth, and notice how during this reign Yah's feasts will still be celebrated. And those who do not participate in Yah's feasts will experience plagues, will experience judgment. So, Yahshua returns to Mount Olives from where he ascended from, And in the next age, if you will, in the next um, level of life that we are looking forward to, this feast will be celebrated. So, in closing... One of the other things that this feast is about is futuristic. That in the millennial reign, in the new Jerusalem, in when the new Jerusalem comes down, new heavens and a new earth, We will celebrate this feast not with the level of understanding that we have currently as earthly human beings of what this feast is, but we will celebrate it as supernatural beings, as immortal beings that are spending the rest of our life with Yah and Yahshua and all the other Torah-minded, believing believers. And we are looking forward to that day when Righteousness governs when wickedness has been done away with, when we can celebrate the feasts per their intentions. See, all of us, I mean, no matter who it is, say someone that's that's been Torah observant all their life, they understand the feasts more than most of us from the West who have been grafted in, whether it's been 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, whatever. They have an understanding that still isn't perfection. It's limited, but we are coming to a day when that limitation will be lifted off and we will have clarity of what all the feasts are about. Mm-hmm. So, Father, we just thank you for this understanding. We thank you, Father, for this feast of Sukkot. And Father, we pray that we've honored you with it. We pray that we would learn more each year of what every feast is about. Forgive us of any ways that we have not kept your feast separated that we have not honored them because that is not our heart. Our heart is to know you. Our heart is to meet with you. Our heart is to worship you. Our heart is to celebrate you in these appointed set times. And Father, we just bless you. We honor you. We worship you. We delight in you and we thank you, Yahweh, for your word, for your promises and for the future in which we can look forward to when righteousness is reigning, when you are reigning on this earth in your King. In your lordship position, and Yahweh, we willingly bow our knee to you right now as an act of faith, declaring that you are King of Kings, declaring the end from the beginning, declaring, Yahweh, that you are our Savior, and we receive you, we receive your Torah. We receive your instructions and we cover each other with the precious blood of the Passover lamb. And Father, we thank you for it in the power of your name.